0: The reading is Leviticus 25, reading uh, verses 8 to 24. The year of Jubilee. Count seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then sound the trumpet everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the Day of Atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. The fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines. For it is a jubilee, and is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. In this year of jubilee, everyone is to return to their own property. If you sell land to any of your own people, or buy land from them, do not take advantage of each other. You are to buy from your own people on the basis of the number of years since the Jubilee, and they are to sell to you on the basis of the number of years left for harvesting crops. When the years are many, you are to increase the price, and when the years are few, you are to decrease the price because what is really being sold to you is the number of crops. Do not take advantage of each other, but fear your God. I am the Lord your God. Follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws, and you will live safely in the land. Then the land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and live where they're in, in safety. You may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. While you plant during the eighth year, you will eat from the old crop and will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. The land must not be sold permanently, because the land is mine, and you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers. Throughout the land that you hold as a possession, you must provide for the redemption of the land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: I'll open with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage and pray that you would speak to us through your word by your Holy Spirit, and that my words would be your words, and that you would challenge and encourage us as you see fit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So, for those of you who don't already know me, as Tom said, I'm Paloma. Now, something you really ought to know about me is that I can be extremely competitive. A good example of this is the game Yellow Car. By a quick show of hands, has anyone heard of the game Yellow Car before? Yep, definitely some avid players out there. If you haven't, the premise is very simple. When you're on a car journey, you score points for spotting yellow cars. But being as competitive as I am, it doesn't just stop there. My good friend Kat, who's a student in this church, she and I have engaged in a lifelong battle We started about a month ago, and it's going to go on for the rest of our lives. We've got a full set of rules. We've got very strict guidelines about which shades of yellow do and don't count. We keep score on an app on my phone, and I just like to set the record straight. It's currently 37.30 to me, so that's wonderful. There's a particular instance of the game that I'm still quite upset about. Kat managed to spot about three yellow cars in quick succession while I was on the phone to my dad, giving directions. Now, I didn't think it would be appropriate to shout yellow car down the phone to my dad, so Kat scored the points. It felt very unfair. And in that moment, I was really tempted to just hit the reset button on my phone, delete the score, and start all over again. But I haven't, don't worry. I've discovered over the years that my competitive streak runs in the family. Most arguments in the Vince family household are caused by this board. It's got so bad that we've been banned from playing Monopoly, except once a year at Christmas. For anyone unfamiliar with Monopoly, it's fairly simple. The aim is to collect as much property as you can as you travel around the board. You build houses and huge hotels, and you slowly extort vast sums of rent until your fellow players are forced into bankruptcy. Great. Now, I'm not particularly good at Monopoly, and if you combine this with my competitiveness, I'm not an ideal opponent. I played last Christmas with my brother, and I was doing really poorly. About half an hour into the game, all I had was Old Kent Road and one of the light blues. My brother, at this point, had both the dark blues, with several houses, the yellows, and hotels on the oranges. And a fun fact for you, the orange properties in Monopoly are actually statistically the best properties to have. See, I'm competitive, I look these things up. So it was my turn to roll. I'm currently on Oxford Street, one of the Greens, just a short trip away from landing on Canary Wharf. But thankfully, at this point, my mum walked into the room and pause the game. I was desperate that she would announce the game null and void and say we had to come for dinner and had to stop playing. I was desperate to hit reset. That sentiment of hitting reset is where we find ourselves in the passage today. This passage is God setting out the process of hitting the reset button. So if we have a quick look through the text and see what it's saying, So just before our reading today, we're told that every seven years is to be a rest year, a Sabbath for the land. Then, every 49 years, there's to be an extra Sabbath year, the year of Jubilee. We're told that in verse 8. Verse 9 tells us it gets kicked off with the sound of trumpets on the Day of Atonement, which Sophie preached on last week. At this point, freedom is declared throughout the land It says in verse 10 that that they'll proclaim liberty throughout the land to its inhabitants, which means that slaves are no longer slaves, and all land is returned to its original tribe. Later on in the passage, God tells us that land can't be sold permanently because we're just foreigners in the land, and the land actually belongs to God. And he says that when the Jubilee comes around, he will provide enough for them to eat. So in the year of jubilee, everything is reset. Now, if we go back to my Monopoly story and apply a year of jubilee lens to it, imagine if when my mum had come in, she'd blown a trumpet, interrupted the game, and announced we were resetting. My brother and I would each go back to our £1,500 of starting money. All our property would go back to the bank, the hotels and the houses would come off the board. Then instead of feeling competitive and worried about losing, My brother and I could enjoy family, celebration, abundance, rest. The game is reset. It didn't actually end that way. I think it ended in tears, if memory serves. So if we look at the context of our passage today, we're in Leviticus, as Tom says. And throughout Leviticus, God is laying down the rules for his chosen people, the Israelites. Elsewhere in the book, he sets out what they're to eat, how they're to worship, how they're to conduct themselves. There's hundreds and hundreds of rules because he's setting up his new kingdom. In our passage, God is setting up the process by which the Israelites can hit the reset button. And this is hitting the reset button with respect to two things. Firstly, we learn how the Israelites can reset their relationship with God. And secondly, we learn how they can reset ownership of their possessions. So I'm going to focus on those two things, looking at what it meant for the Israelites for whom this was originally written, and then what it means for us today as Christians. So taking the first of those, resetting our relationship with God. First of all, why why do we need to reset our relationship with God? Well, the answer to that is sin. Whenever we disobey God, Break his commandments, put other things above him. Whenever we make mistakes, whenever we hurt people, we're sinning. And this sin separates us from God, who is perfect and holy and without sin. Sophie gave us a great reminder last week of how the Israelites dealt with sin and God set up the laws of atonement. I sometimes find it helpful to think about God as being a banker. And every time we sin, we build up a debt against him. And that debt has to be repaid. Ultimately, the debt should be repaid with our lives. But God provides an alternative. For the Israelites, that alternative looked like sacrificing animals. So animals would die in the place of people and their death would fulfill the debt that was built up with God. I don't think it's by any coincidence that verse 9 of our passage says that the year of jubilee begins on the day of atonement. This is when the high priest would go in and make a sacrifice in the Holy of Holies on behalf of all the Israelites to reset their balance with God. For us, it's slightly different. We don't have to go around killing pigeons anymore. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice who made atonement for all of our sins. All of the sins we ever have committed and all of the sins we ever will committed. He died in our place so that we don't have to. And we are permanently atoned for. If we accept Jesus. So what happens when we reset our relationship with God? Well, the debt that we've built up with God, the banker, is cleared. It's reset. And the passage tells us that as a result, we get to experience jubilee, family, freedom, celebration, abundance. For the Israelites, it was this extra year off. They didn't have to do any farming. They got to return to their families and celebrate and feast there was freedom, so anyone who was in slavery could be released from that. It was a joyful time. And for us, it's, it's not dissimilar. We have family, the communion among Christians. We have freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from having to worry about things, because Jesus has ultimately cleared our balance with God. And all of that brings jubilee and celebration to us permanently. So that's resetting our relationship with God. And as I say, the second thing set out in this passage is how we reset ownership of our possessions. The passage tells us that the reason we need to reset ownership of our possessions is because actually they're not ours. God owns us, and so God owns what we own. We're not actually owners, but we're stewards. In verse 23, God says the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you reside in the land as foreigners and strangers. God is the owner of us and our possessions. We're just looking after them for him. So when we talk about resetting ownership, we talk about resetting things to their rightful owner, which is God, so that God decides how we use things. And this applies to everything in our lives, our time, treasure, talents. All of them aren't actually ours, they're God's. And so it's for God to tell us how we use them. So how do we reset ownership? Well, like we've said, for the Israelites, this meant returning their land and the slaves to God. And God would then give that land back to their ancestral tribes, and slaves were free from slavery. And for us... This looks like holding all our possessions at God's disposal, holding things lightly before him. I wanted to share two very quick examples of um, how God's been teaching me this in my life. Not in any way to claim that I've I've worked it out, but just to show the journey I've been on. The first is about how I I learned and came across tithing. So many years ago when I first became a Christian, I heard a sermon about the importance of tithing, giving 10% of your income to the church. And at the time, I was 16, and I worked as a, a football referee at the weekends, so I'd earn maybe £15 a week. But each week when I came home from my football game, I'd put 1 pound 50 in a little jar, and I'd collect it up over the weeks and months and then stick it in an envelope and bring it to church. And I'm so glad I did that, because now, as I have a, a full-time job, it's my default that the first 10% just goes straight to God, and I almost don't think about it. And I'm really glad that that started when I had very little and has continued. Another thing I was challenged on um, was what I call my one-cloak philosophy. So there's a passage where Jesus says that um, if anyone has two cloaks, they should give one away to the poor. So occasionally I'll I'll go into my wardrobe and have a bit of a cull. And for every two pairs of jeans or two jumpers I might have, I'll say, OK, I'm going to give one of those to a charity shop or to someone in need. And as I say, none of this is about saying I've got it right, but these are just examples in my life of where God has showed me that my my genes, my income, they're not actually mine, they're his. And as and when he calls me to, to give those or to release them, we must obey. It's not about ticking a box or giving the most, but it's about learning to live in a permanent sense of impermanence with our possessions. Permanent sense of impermanence. It's about resetting our view of our possessions. They're no longer ours, but they're God's. And it's for him to tell us how to use them. And I think when we begin to reset ownership of our possessions, we find that fullness of jubilee that we described. I've talked about Jesus' atonement being permanent. And yet we we live in the tension between these impermanent possessions we hold, but this permanent God who loves us, this permanent relationship with him. And I think the more we look at what Jesus has done for us, the more the value of that increases and the value of our possessions actually decreases. It's in light of that 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 we can be willing to give. So that's how this passage challenges us to reset ownership of our possessions. So in in response to all of this, I want us as a church to commit to resetting some areas in our lives. As discussed, this could be something like resetting our relationship with God. Perhaps we need to come to God and say sorry and accept him for the first time or even the hundredth time. Or perhaps we need to reset ownership of of our possessions. Maybe there's something in our lives that we've been clinging on to a little bit too tightly, that we think maybe we couldn't live without. And as Tom preached on a few weeks ago, perhaps that's become an idol. Perhaps there's something among your time, treasure and talents that you feel God is saying that you should give that up. And we've heard from from Lucy today and from Tom about the Beesham appeal that there's lots of different areas of need. And perhaps God's calling us to respond to an area of need by releasing something. So what we're going to do in a minute is I'm going to ask each of you to write something down on a piece of paper which you'll find at the end of the rows. And what we want to do is to write down something that you're committing to reset. So it could be, as I say, a possession that you're going to commit to give up or an attitude change you're going to commit to. Once you've written it down, I'd like you to fold it up and then take it to one of the washing lines either side of church and peg it up. And you can see the ones from the nine o'clock service already. And the reason we're pegging these up is so that collectively as a church, we can hold ourselves accountable to doing this. So when you've done the thing you've committed to do in the coming weeks, I'd love you to take that down from the washing line. And the fact that they're still there, that will prompt us all that we need to to reset things in our lives. Um, So I'm going to pray, and then if you could do that, that's great. And there's spare bits and pieces up the front. Heavenly Father, thank you for the incredible richness of what you've given us through Jesus. Thank you that because of his eternal sacrifice, um, we have permanent atonement with you, and we can live in a state of permanent jubilee. Um, Would you speak to us now and challenge us on where you want us to reset things? Um, And I pray it would all be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.